you'd like to read with me this morning, I'll be reading from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Thank you, Mike. Good morning, church. It is good to see each and every one of you here this morning. Go ahead and hold your Bibles there to Romans chapter 12. He just passed away. Um, we've just received word that uh, Tommy has uh, passed away. So uh, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer on behalf of this family. Almighty God, Jehovah, Father, we do thank you for this opportunity that we have to come together to worship you. Father, as we've just received news of Tommy's passing, Father, our hearts are heavy. Our hearts go out to his family. And Father, we pray that, that You will be with them, that You will hold them, that You will give them the strength and comfort that they need, that they might hold on to each other, Father, and support one another. And that we, Father, as a church family, and might also help hold them up and support them during this time. Father, it's never easy to lose a loved one. And Father, that's why our hearts are touched. And that's why we appeal to You, Father, Almighty God, to be with them, strengthen and comfort them, and help our efforts Father, to support them, to be an encouragement to them. Father, just be with this family at this time. And Father, we thank You for them. And Father, as we also continue our worship here this morning, Father, we pray that all that we have done and continue to do will be pleasing to You. Father, we thank You for the opportunity to be alive today. We thank You for the opportunity to live in this country, to be a part of this church family, to be able to shine His lights for You. But Father, most of all, we want to thank You for Jesus Christ. Forgive us, Father, of all of our many sins. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. 
I hope that you've had the opportunity to pick up an announcement sheet. There's so much going on there. I want to encourage you to keep uh, reaching out to the Copeland family today and in the days to come. I know that they will appreciate that. Uh, let me mention just a few things. Just bring that to attention. I uh, want to remind you about the uh, wedding tea today in honor of Tara Morris, uh, bride-elect of Stephen Strickland. This is a grandson of MJ and uh, Ann. And so uh, we want to encourage you. And I think Tara's here with us today. So Tara, thank you for being here and want to encourage you and remind you about that. Uh, for our men, don't forget about the many things that are coming up this week. Thursday morning we have, uh, I believe right now may be our, our last uh, community prayer time for, for right now anyway. We likely will do that uh, more, but we have a lot of things to pray about, a lot of people to pray about, and so we'll be praying about those things, likely be praying about the upcoming community uh, door knocking and outreach. But also don't forget about um, Thursday night, uh, the bus will be leaving at 545 men. We're going over to Crazy K Steakhouse in Eastview. This will be a great time uh, that, that you will not want to miss, so make sure that you're aware of that. Also, an opportunity to work and do some things around our building this Saturday morning from 8 to 12 uh, this Saturday morning. So make sure that you're aware of that and uh, are thinking about that and planning for that. Also, don't forget, I uh, appreciate Brother Donnie mentioning this. appreciate the work that Michael and John David and Miss Diane and others have done on this community door knocking uh, that will be started this Sunday night. So make sure you're praying about that. Make sure you're, you're uh, thinking about ways that you can help. Uh, maybe you can't uh, go out and knock doors, but maybe you can do some things. And so make sure you come down for this meeting and be a part of that to see what areas you can help in because this is a great opportunity that we have to let our community know we are alive and well, but more than that, our God is alive and well, and we want them to know about Him. So make sure you're aware of all these things uh, that are coming up. I want to say also our young people will be away um, at Pickwick tonight for the area-wide youth series. And so tonight what we're going to do, I've uh, heard from several of you uh, often about some of the um, singing some of the old songs. So tonight we're going to sing some older songs. So we want you to come in and be ready to sing. And if you don't mind when you come in tonight, just focus here on this center section and we'll just sing out and have a great time singing praises to Almighty God. Some of the old hymns that uh, we love so much. So uh, a lot of things going on. I want you to pray about those things and be thinking about those things. Opening your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and we'll meet there in just a moment. What's the problem in the world? You know, if you ask some that question, they would come back and say, well, I'll tell you, Here's the problem. The problem in our world today is our government. I mean, they're not united. You see, our problem that we have today, it's a Democratic or a Republican problem. Uh, others answering that question may say, well, here's the problem. The problem is the people. It's a race problem. That's the problem that we have going on. If you ask others what the problem is, is in the world today, they would say, well, it's, it's North Korea or it's Russia. It's some other country. That's the problem. Uh, some might uh, even use the words Donald Trump used the other day and said it's a rocket man problem. That's the problem. But you and I know none of those is really the problem, is it? You see, when we look at our world today, those aren't the problems. The problem is a sin problem. That's the issue 
That's the problem. That's what causes all of these other issues and problems. Over the last month, we've been talking about being all in worship. And as we wrap that up today, you may be looking at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 and thinking, what in the world does that have to do with worship? Well, what we've looked at, the word we've looked at uh, over the last few weeks is the Greek word proskuneo, uh, which means to kiss toward. And today in Romans chapter 12, we'll look at another word from the, uh, the root word, the Greek word latreo, which means service or worship. Uh, It's very similar to the service that the Levites did in the temple. Uh, The word actually means to reason, uh, to the reasoning uh, faculties. Uh, Means reasonable or rational. And so when we look at that word, the Greek word latreo, it means reasonable. It can be rendered both service and worship. Uh, not that all of, our, all of our life is like a worship service that we come together. Uh, but in a sense, we do offer worship as we go out and live. And we'll talk about that in just a, mo- a few minutes. I-, I think about the question as it relates to that. So how then do we go out and offer this type of reasonable worship to God through our lives? Did you catch what Paul said in Romans chapter 12? I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or worship. Paul said, I want you to present. Uh, The idea that he uses behind this word is the idea of placing an offering before the Lord. It's the technical term used to describe uh, what the Old Testament priest did in offering up these sacrifices uh, to the Lord. But Paul said, I don't want you to offer just any sacrifice. I want you to offer the sacrifice of your bodies. In other words, Paul says, I want you to offer yourself. To live the worshipful life, you offer yourself to God. One person said, no animal ever trotted into the temple saying, here I am, sacrifice me. But in essence, that's what the child of God does every day. Here I am as a sacrifice. So Paul says, I want you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You see, under the old law, they were to offer dead animals. They would kill those animals, spread the blood, sprinkle the blood, and offer that animal as a sacrifice. But you see, no longer today are we to offer dead sacrifices. Paul said, I want you to offer yourself, offer your life up to God every day as a living sacrifice. Uh, Maybe you've heard said before, and I may have even actually said it before. That no longer today do we have sacrifices. We don't have to offer sacrifices today. Because Jesus Christ did that once and for all. That's true. But Paul would beg to differ. We do offer sacrifices today. It's my life. It's my life. And as I leave the, the gathering of ourselves together to worship Almighty God, bowing down our hearts and our lives to, uh, toward God, we go out and we offer up our bodies to God. This is my life, God. I give you my life. 
it's alive, it's no longer dead. Well, what, is, what does sacrifice mean? What does it mean to sacrifice something? If you go to Webster's Dictionary, you'll find a, dictionary, uh, uh, a definition like this. The act of giving up something, I love this definition by the way. The act of giving up something that you want to keep, especially in order, to get or to do something else or to help someone. To give up something that's special to you. Most humans care about themselves. To give up something that's special to you. Our lives are special. And so when we go out from our worship assembly together, we're not living for us. And that's a serious, deep reminder that Barry needs to remember. When we leave here, we are offering up ourselves, something that's precious to us, for something that's far better, giving to God. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Leviticus chapter 1. You see, the, the Jewish people, they fought, long understood what it meant uh, to make a sacrifice. Even the Gentile readers of Romans, they would also understand sacrifice, for sacrifices were also a part of their pagan worship. So whether you were Jew or Gentile, they understood the word sacrifice. Look at Leviticus chapter 1. Now the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of the meeting, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering, sacrifice, to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock of the herd of the livestock. If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it as his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. He shall kill the bull before the Lord and the priest. Aaron's son shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all around the altar, that is, by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into, into its pieces. The sons of Aaron, the priest, uh, shall put fire on the altar and lay the wood in order on the fire. And then the priest, then the priest Aaron's son, shall lay the parts, the head, and the fat in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. But he shall wash the entrails and its legs with water. And the priest shall burn all on the altar as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. I remember in the movie Facing the Giants when Coach Grant Taylor decided, you know, it's time to have a different philosophy about football and about life. And he talked about that sweet smelling of Roma, of that sacrifice that was done the way God said for it to be done. And it was, when it was offered up before God, it rose up as a sweet smelling aroma. And he began to talk about the aroma of our lives. 
<laughs> and in a funny scene, one of the other coaches leaned over to uh, one of the players and said, your life stinks. What was he saying? Sure, football players stink, don't they? They stink. They sweat. But he said, how about your life? How about the aroma of your life? How's that going up before the Lord? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 34, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Uh, The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says this, Here he lays down two elements in the conditions of discipleship, denying oneself and taking up his cross. The former means the renunciation of his self as the center of thought, faith, hope, and life. Boy, that's a challenge, isn't it? The latter means a life of sacrifice. Did you notice how Paul said, I beg you. Paul didn't command these people to offer their lives as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. But he urged them, he begged them. Perhaps he did so because God doesn't want a forced worship or a forced worshipful life. He wants a willing sacrifice of our lives. So how do we do this on a daily basis? It's a good question. Paul tells us that in verse 2. He says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, Being conformed, he says... Uh, means to fashion or conform to something, to form after a pattern. I've always thought about Jello when I think about this. You make that Jello up, you put it in that in that dish, whatever whatever it is. You stick it in the refrigerator. When you get it out, if you could turn that over, what form would it have? The form of the dish. And Paul says, "Do not be formed or fashioned." After this world. And when Paul talks about world, he's not talking about the rocks and the trees and the flowers and this ground that we walk on. He's talking about this present age Paul would later use in other passages. He's talking about our culture. Do not be formed or fashioned by culture. Psychologist Ruth Berenda and some of her associates did a an experiment that I know have been, has been talked about in classes and other things. And that experiment was that they would bring ten different times, ten different young people into a room. And they would put three different lines on the board. And they would ask the students to, when they point to the longest line, to raise your hand indicating, hey, that's the longest line. But in the experiment, they told nine of those students... And they did this experiment several times, different groups of students, and they told nine of those students, listen, when, when, the, when the director points to the second shortest line or second longest line, you raise your hand. And so there was one person in the group that didn't know what the rest of the class knew. Do you know that 75% of the time, the one, though they knew better, Conformed to the group 
and said, the second longest line is the longest line. Now, here's the deal that I want us to understand and realize. The pull of culture is very strong. We know that. There's a battle. In fact, Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, he, he talks about this battle, this pull between the, uh, the works of the flesh and the Spirit. But what's interesting there in Galatians chapter 5, Paul says, listen, the works of the flesh are evident. The works of Satan reminds me of my old football coach. I'm not saying he's Satan, by the way. <laughs> but our football coach, he would tell us, I don't care if the other team knows what we're going to do. Because if we're stronger and faster and we do it better, it will, we'll accomplish what we want to do. That's Satan. It's told in Scripture the way Satan works. From the Garden of Eden to the temptation of Jesus and the same the way he works today. And Paul says the works of the flesh, the works of culture, it's evident. It's out there. Everybody knows. Even culture recognizes it. And yet, that pull of culture is strong. Uh, culture tells us, listen, uh, if you want to be happy, this is the way you have to live. This is what you have to have. These are the things that require you to be happy. And we find ourselves being lulled into that same thinking if we're not careful. They say, culture says, well, don't listen to the Bible. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. It's just a good book with some good sayings. I mean, it's, it's old, right? It doesn't matter today. It isn't applicable to our life today. And the truth is, as James talks about looking into a mirror... You know, it's tough to look into the mirror and see who I really am. I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, personally, I don't always like what I see in the mirror. Physically. But what do we do, man? We dress it up to look as good as we can look, right? But it's hard to look in that mirror and to see who we really are. And culture says, well, it doesn't matter. Just cover it up. And Paul says, listen, if you want to live a worshipful life, you cannot be formed by culture. And I know it's tough, Paul might say to us. That's why we need Jesus. So when we go out, when we go to work, when we go to school, when we're in our neighborhoods, let us remember... We're not living for the world. Young people, when you go to school, how do you treat how, how do you treat other students at your school? How do you treat your teachers? Guys, are you respecting the girls? Girls, are you respecting the guys? When we go to our workplaces, are we respecting our co-workers? Are we respecting our bosses? You see, that's not being conformed to this culture. That's showing the world a different way. 
That's offering our bodies, our lives as a living sacrifice. Paul says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice by not being conformed to this world. But how, Paul? How do we do that? By being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, it's the, it's the Greek word uh, that's translated transformed that we get the uh, word metamorphosis. It means to change. It's the same idea of, uh, of that illustration of the caterpillar transforming, changing into a butterfly, right? It's, a, it's not an easy process. But through the difficulty of that transformation, that butterfly appears beautiful with strong wings. And so it is as culture tries to cocoon us when we struggle and when we surrender to God, that we come out through those struggles, if you will, like a beautiful butterfly with strong wings of faith in God. Paul says by the transformation of your mind, he's talking about our attitude, the way we think. You think thinking is not important? Thinking is important. The way we think is important. One person says transformation comes from within. Changing the outside without changing the inside is like putting clean clothes on a boy who plays in the mud. To change the outside, we must first change the inside. The proverb writer would say in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, For as a man thinks in his heart, or for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Paul reminds us, if you want to live the worshipful life, thinking, attitude, action is important. Remember we looked at Matthew chapter 15? In Matthew chapter 15 and verse 18, Jesus reminds them, you see, it's not what comes out of the mouth that defines a man, it's what comes from the heart. The thinking and emotional part of man, that's what defiles a man. Uh, I came across an illustration about the pressures of life around us. It was a science experiment that this teacher wanted to show his students. And so he took, he took a metal can, a gallon metal can, and he put, he put a little bit of water in that metal can. And then he put that over a Bunsen burner. And he let it heat it up and the water began to boil. And then he put the lid on top of that can. And he set the can over off the Bunsen burner. For a while, nothing happened. But then a few minutes later, all of a sudden, as if, as if an invisible giant crushed the can, the sides of the can just caved in. And the teacher began to describe to them how when that was being heated up, the air was being heated up, some of the air went out. And, and when the top was on it and it was set over and cooled, that the air pressure on the inside became lesser than the air pressure on the outside. Therefore, the, the outside of the can crushed in. And you see, that's what happens when we're not feeling the inside with good things, with godly things, with God's Word, 
with the encouragement of God's people? You see, our thinking and our attitude is important as it relates to transformation. So what can we do to renew our minds and our thinking? Fill it with good stuff. Paul would say in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. One thing I try to tell my boys... about the stuff they let in their mind. It's just as important. Why is it important? Because you can... It's difficult enough when you're filling your life with as much good stuff as possible. Good music, good television shows, uh, all these good things, good books. When we're filling our minds with all the good books, it's tough enough. Why fill it with that bad stuff that would make it even harder? Paul says, don't be formed by the culture, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, how you think, your attitude, what you feel in that renewing. That helps in that struggle. It's going to be a struggle, but that helps in that struggle. You like camping? I enjoy camping. But I have to say, in my years of camping, I've grown to... I might tent camp, but I'm not fond of it anymore. That's too rough in it. And so now we have campers and motorhomes, right? Right? And what do we do with these campers in these motorhomes? Man, we fill them with refrigerators and bathrooms and, and running water. Just plug it into to the outlet and you have electricity. and You have one running water and you have sewage. You have everything you want. No need to worry about the fire as much. No need to go down to the river or the lake and draw water. And so we take the elements of our everyday life and we change the scenery. But the reality is, nothing's been changed, right? The reality is, nothing has been transformed. David Royer says, The adventure of new life in Christ begins when the comfortable, comfortable patterns of the old life are left behind. Life is tough, isn't it? Life is a challenge. Culture is after us. And Satan doesn't matter if we sit in church buildings and sit on pews. What Satan is concerned about is are we conforming or are we transforming? He does not want us to transform. So today, what does the aroma of your life smell like? It's a tough world. We need God. And we need each other. 
there's changes or help in your life that you need to make today, we ask that you will come together. Let us help you as together we stand and sing.